Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. I have a word burning in me right now that I... I've wanted to preach it for a while. Um, and then Patty and I were talking this week and she mentioned one name and I was like, man, I've been really wanting to preach on that. And so um, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Judges chapter six. Super uh, familiar story, but there's some things in here I feel like the Lord showed me that are for us right now, um, today. And I am... God is doing so much right now. Listen, I'm telling you, like, we're not praying for revival. We're living in it. Like, we're seeing God move. We're seeing people set free. People are, are just coming out of, of the woodworks and, like, seeking people out. Like, I've heard stories this week, like, Vlad, like, someone just reaching out out of the blue and saying, like, I need Jesus, basically. They don't even know what they're asking for sometimes. They don't even know they're asking for Jesus. They just know they need something. And, and, and that's why I'm telling you, I, I said this a while ago, but I think it's so important. When, when Jesus talked about the houses that were built on the sand and the stone, right when when before the storm comes when everything's good you can't see which house is built on the stone and which house is built on the sand everything looks good but when when a storm comes when trouble comes when hard times come when things happen and the houses collapse one thing that's amazing during that time even as hard as it is to see people collapsing and see lives falling apart is that all of a sudden everybody can see the houses that are standing the, 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 it couldn't see them before. They, they, like everything looked the same because everybody was doing good. But then when you come into a time where all of a sudden everybody's not doing good, it's really easy to see the houses that are built on the rock. And that's one of the main reasons why it's so important for ourselves, yes, that our house is built on the rock. But for others so that they can come and find shelter and safety and what we have during those times when their house has collapsed. There has to be a house in every neighborhood. Come on, there has to be a house in every neighborhood. There has to be a person in every family. There has to be someone in every job. There has to be someone in every school. There has to be someone in every place. The Lord wants there to be a house built on him in every single area of life so that when everything collapses, people can look around and they go, wait a minute, why hasn't that house collapsed? Mine's destroyed. And they'll come to you and that's when giving them Jesus is so easy because they see something in your life that they recognize isn't in their own and they may not even know what it is. I've had people tell me your energy is so amazing. I mean, it is. It's the spirit of God inside of me. It's the most creative force that's ever lived. It's the most powerful energy that's ever existed. It's the one who went into a dead body and a living man stood up. Like... But see, here's the thing. They don't even know what they're looking for. They just know that you have it. But you have to have it. We have to have it. And I feel like the Lord wants to speak something to us this morning. And so, Father, I thank you for your presence. Spirit of God, I'm asking that you would anoint the words that I'm about to speak. That we would hear from you, God, and that we would respond as your people in the way that you're calling us to. Amen. 
So Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you should defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If I have now found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring back my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive, it is, it, is, it is powerful, it is a sword that divides what is truth from what is not. It divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. God, that, that, that it absolutely comes. And once it cuts, Father, it doesn't cut to harm us. It cuts to remove what was never meant to be and leave what always was left. And I'm praying, God, that your sword will come today and, and divide and cut and separate in the way that you intend. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the Lord comes to, to Gideon and speaks to him in a way that, that probably surprises Gideon. Gideon is, is a little backstory. The Midianites for the last seven years have been coming every time that Gideon, that the, the Israelites would get their crops ready and prepare their harvest just when it was the time for them to enjoy the fruit of their labor and to harvest what they had sown and, 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 and to, to live in the blessing of that. The, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people from the east would come and they would, they would camp out and they would wait until they saw that the harvest was ready and then they would descend upon the harvest like a plague of locusts and they would absolutely take and destroy. What they couldn't keep for themselves, they would destroy destroy. And, and, and they would rob and plunder everything that the Israelites had so that the Israelites were forced to dwell in caves. They were hiding. They were beating out uh, wheat in a, in a wine press, a place where that doesn't even belong. Like when, when they were dividing wheat, they would go to the highest place that they possibly could and they would, because there would be wind there and they would take a winnowing fork and it would throw it in the air and the chaff would be blown and the heavy grain would fall to the ground. And, and, and instead of being up on a high place, instead of doing the right thing in the right place, Gideon is doing the right thing but in the wrong place because he's been forced there because he's afraid of the enemy and because he doesn't want the enemy to steal the little bit that he has because that's what his family needs to survive. They've, they've gone from a people who went into a land flowing with milk and honey and having more than they needed to a people who were content to just get what they possibly could and barely survive and the Lord allows this to happen because of one thing, because they did the one thing that God asked them not to do when they went into the promised land. He said, see, I am taking you into a land of blessing, a land that I promised your forefathers, a land, a good land that flows with milk and honey, with cities that you didn't build, with grapes that you didn't plant the vineyards of, with wells that have water that you didn't dig. And he says, I want to bring you in here and I want to bless you. Just only see one thing, that when you come into this place of blessing, that you do not forget the Lord. And he says, he says, just that's one thing, just please, when you're coming into this time of blessing, when I'm bringing you into this place, there's one thing I'm asking of you, and that is depend on me then like you depend on me now. Like, don't forget that you need me. 
Don't let what I've done for you be a replacement for who I am. Don't be so satisfied with what I've done that you lose your hunger for me. And, and he just wants them to want him. Like he just wants to be wanted. And, and, but he doesn't want them to have to need him. He wants them to choose to need him. They're in a place in the, in the, in the desert where they, they have to need him. If he doesn't come, they burn up by the sun and they freeze by night. And they don't have food to eat and they don't have water to drink. Like it's pretty easy to rely on the Lord when you have to because if the Lord doesn't come, you die. And, and, and God is, is, takes them through that time to build this, this trust in them so that they trust him and so that they'll obey him. That's all he's ever wanted from his people. It's all he still wants is that he is trusted and obeyed. That he would be known so that he can be trusted. And out of that place of knowing him, that trust would lead to obedience. And he says, I'm bringing you in there. I want to do this for you. Don't forget me. And they forget him. And they turn to other things. They turn their eyes from the Lord, and they turn to other things. And eventually, the Lord, it, it's not, it says he delivered them into the hand of the, of, of the Midianites. It's not like the Lord bound them and marched them down and said, here, Midian, come and take them. The Lord removed the thing that kept the Midianites from being able to conquer them. And now they had to do it in their own strength. Because if we choose to live our lives in our own strength in one area, we just might find that we have to live our lives in our own strength in other areas. And so they have been, for seven years now, the Midianites have come and just ravaged them. And the Lord comes to Gideon, who is threshing wheat in a low place rather than in a high place. See, anytime the enemy gets a foothold in our lives, we may not stop doing things. We just won't do them with the boldness that we were doing them before. We won't do them to the extent that we were doing them before. He didn't have the amount of grain that he had before. When, when, when they were seeking the Lord and following the Lord and living in communion with him, they, they would harvest such a harvest that they couldn't, even, they couldn't even contain everything. So they had to build bigger barns and they had to build bigger structures to hold everything. And they did it boldly and they did it in front of everybody and did it in a high place where everybody could see what they were doing. But the more the enemy gained a foothold in their life, the, the, they, they, they weren't doing it to the extent they were doing it before and they stopped doing it doing it with the boldness that they were doing it before. And if you've been shut down from the amount that you're doing or the boldness that you're doing it with, it's a sure sign that the enemy has gained a foothold somewhere. You can see it. You can watch it with your eyes. You see someone's life and you see that all of a sudden what used to be a common thing done with boldness becomes a rare thing done insecurely. Like, don't let that be judgment. Let that be encouragement back into a place of saying, I wasn't created to live quietly and, and insecurely. I was meant to live boldly and, and out loud. Like, that's what God's calling us into. And so they give, him a, 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 they give the enemy a foothold by giving their attention to other things. And so God is ready to deliver his people from this. It says that the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard them. And the Lord's answer is to show up to this little man who is in a low place, insecurely and, 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 uh, and fearfully doing something that is just enough. You were never meant to have just enough to barely survive. You're not, we were never meant to be content with the enemy just stealing, killing, and destroying all around us. And we say, well, at least I've got enough for me and my family. No. Yeah. Ever. 
ever, ever, ever. We were never meant to be that way. We were never meant to just sit back and say, well, at least I have enough for me. I don't know what's going on with everybody else, and, and everybody else may be getting everything stolen and killed and destroyed all around them, and the enemy might be ravaging the land around me, but you know what? As long as I can just hide down here, and as long as I can just have enough for me and mine, I guess everything's okay. Come on, that's not an abundant life. That's not what we were called to. We're not called to be people that shrink back and hide in a low place and say, well, I guess I'll just do a little bit down here, and hopefully the enemy won't see what I'm doing, and it'll be enough for me and my family. The Lord is ready for somebody to step up and say, you know what? I, I, I can't take this anymore. I can't sit back and watch everybody's lives around me being destroyed. And so he comes to Gideon. And he says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And this would have probably shocked Gideon because Gideon probably felt like anything but a valiant warrior at the time. It would have made more sense to Gideon if, if the Lord would have come and said, Gideon, you fearful little wimp. <laughs> no, I'm serious, because if the Lord says that to him, he can understand that because that's how he sees himself. But the Lord's not interested in confirming your wrong idea of who you are. He's interested in giving you his idea of who he created you to be. So he doesn't speak to Gideon based on where Gideon is or what Gideon thinks of himself. He speaks to Gideon uh, as to who he's called him to be and what he's called him to do. So you're the, you're, you're the smallest in your family. See, Gideon immediately has two problems with what the Lord says to him. You ever notice how many times when the Lord came, I mean, the angel of the Lord came physically speaking to him, right? And it turns out this is actually the Lord. It's not just an angel because you can see by the way that it's written in the original language. Originally, he thinks it's an angel, and then all of a sudden, he speaks to him, and he calls him the Lord, capitalized. He's, he realizes this is God speaking to me. This is the Lord speaking to me. And, and, but it, the, the, an angel comes and speaks to him, knows him by name, and immediately, Gideon has two problems with what the Lord said. The Lord says two things to him, and Gideon has two problems that immediately rise up. He says... The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And Gideon's response shows you that there's been a stronghold built in his life, like Zach talked about last week. Such a good word that Zach gave about strongholds, right? You can see those strongholds speak by the way that Gideon responds. When the enemy has a stronghold in your life, he will have a, a foothold in your, in, your, in your thinking, and it will control the way you speak because as you think in your heart, so you are, and what you think in your heart will actually control the way that you speak. And so you can hear a stronghold talk back because the first thing he says to him, rather than being like, whoa, the Lord's here, he says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of, up, up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The first stronghold he has is, I can't hear what you're saying and believe what you're saying because my recent past experiences are speaking louder than the word of the Lord that has come to me. I have these disappointments and I have these questions and if what you're saying is true, then how come? And I've seen that so many times in my own life even where I hear a promise of the Lord. Like when we're singing, I've seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe you'll do it again, right? We're singing that but there's something inside of us sometimes that goes, oh well, if the Lord moves the mountains, then how come? 
Well, if the Lord is going to, if he's so powerful, then how come? And all of a sudden, the, the, this, the, the, our past and our experiences and our current circumstances have a louder voice than the voice of the Lord that is speaking to us and telling us something that completely goes against what we're thinking. And Gideon goes, well, if the Lord's with us, then how come? Come on, you, you've heard that before. You talk to people about the faithfulness of God. Well, if God's so faithful, then how come? And they give you their experience, they give you their past, they give you their circumstances, and you realize there's a stronghold in their life that's been built by the enemy, and it's a place that he actually operates out of. That's what a stronghold is. It's a, it's a fortress within a place that the enemy has set up a base, and from there, the enemy can attack. And so because of that disappointment, because of that hurt, because of that lack of understanding, and because of all those things, there's this fortress built up inside of Gideon. So when the Lord speaks, the enemy has a place to operate out of, and immediately, instead of responding to what the Lord is saying, he accuses the one who's speaking and says, well, then, if he is, then how come? You, you hear that in the world when you talk about God being good. Well, if God is so good and then fill in the blank with tragedy, fill in the blank with all these things that, that people have against the Lord, but, the, but, but, but as, as sad as that is, it's even more sad when you hear it in the church. Amen. You hear it in people who know and have his word and they say, well, if God, then how come? And all of a sudden, everything that God has said is held subject and ransom to what they've experienced in life or what they haven't seen or what they have seen. And that has a louder voice and there's a stronghold within them that's been built brick by brick by, by disappointment, brick by brick. Without ever acknowledging the fact that just before this, the Lord came and spoke to the people through a prophet and said, because you've done evil, you've been given into the hands of the Midianites. I'm not saying everything that's happened in your life has been because of evil, but I am saying this, that there's a chance that we're living in consequence of decisions we made, and rather than blaming God for that, we should probably ask the Lord, what do you, I need to change in my life? What do I not understand in my life? Instead of saying, you're the, like, think about it. We have a perfect father who makes a perfect promise, and when things don't go perfectly, instead of actually considering ourselves or considering other people, we point at the only one who is perfect in the equation and blame him and say, well, if, then how come? Without ever having the humility to actually say, Lord, is there something that I don't understand? Is there something that I'm missing? Lord, is there something that I'm doing? And Gideon immediately responds to the first thing the Lord says, which is, the Lord is with you. With an accusation and a question. It's a problem with what God said. You know you have long allowed the enemy to have a voice when you read the word of God and the first thing that pops in your mind is, well, if, then how come? And then he, I'll get ahead of myself a little bit. The attack of the enemy on your life has two purposes. The first is to steal, kill, destroy in the present. But the second is to plant a seed that will bear the fruit of doubt for years to come and allow the enemy a way in rather than allowing the voice of God to be the greatest voice that we hear. 
It doesn't just come for today. Like, it comes today to steal and kill and destroy, to take your peace and, and, and to take your joy, and, and it wants to take everything that it can from you. But, but even worse than that is, is once we allow that to happen and we don't actually take that to the Lord or we let the question of why be bigger than the promise of God, then all of a sudden now there's a, a seed is planted in us that will bear fruit because every seed reproduces after its own kind. And if that seed of doubt and why and, uh, and not trusting and and, and, and everything else that it, that it produces, that fruit will grow in our lives. And someday we will live in the fruit of that seed that was deposited on that day. And Gideon, this has happened to him for seven years now. He's probably been sitting around just angry at the Lord, never considering what have we done that has allowed this to happen. I'm not saying get introspective every time something goes wrong, but I am saying, like, we owe it to ourselves to at least have the humility and the integrity to ask ourselves, am I doing something outside of what God's called me to? Have I stepped outside of his will for my life? Am I, am I seeking him the way I know he, he wants me to seek him? Am I living my life the way I know that he wants me to live? And it's not that God's in heaven punishing for all those things, but every time we do and step outside, it opens a door for the enemy to come in. And that's not every single time something goes wrong because we live in a fallen world and sometimes bad things just happen because we do live in a world that is fallen and not restored to the way it was meant to be from creation before sin came. And sometimes that's the answer, but sometimes it's not. And the way that we know is by seeking the Lord and asking him. He is faithful. He actually will answer you and he'll show you. If there's something that we are doing that's allowing this. Like, if I'm constantly ending up in the same place, I have to ask myself, how am I getting here? I can sit around and bind the devil with my mouth, but if I'm opening my back door with my life, he laughs. I bind you, Satan, in your power, and, and then it's like, oh, that's really awesome, and that sounds really good. But then I go and unlock the door for him and say, hey, I left the door open for you just so that you know. And we're shunda and binding and everything else with our mouths and with our hands. We're going, come on in. And he doesn't believe what you say with your mouth if your life doesn't actually line up with it. It's when what we say lines up with how we live that he actually believes you because the fruit of what we say is borne out, whether we believe it or not, by the way that we live our lives. Amen. The Bible says don't give the enemy a foothold. That means you have to give him a place. He can't take a foothold in your life that you don't give him, but he'll take every single one that you do. He doesn't miss it. And so Gideon's first problem is, is that he's allowed what he has experienced in life to change the lens that he views the promises of God through to the point where when God shows up in the form of an angel, and begins to speak to him and call him by name. He has a reason that what God's saying can't be true. The second thing, and I believe it's a direct result of that, is he has a problem with what God calls him. The Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of the, Mid of the Midian. Have I not sent you? What's he saying? Gideon, all these things that you're saying they're all answered in one thing. What I'm saying to you right now should be greater than everything that you're saying to me about what's happened. And I'm sending you, and that should be the thing that strengthens you. All you need is a word from me. 
All you need is to hear me speak and to hear what I say and believe that what I have said is greater than all your excuses about why what I've said couldn't possibly happen. That's what is supposed to be your strength, Gideon. But Gideon looks at him and says, oh, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. So he has a problem with the Lord saying he's with him, and he has a problem with the Lord saying he's a valiant warrior. And because he doesn't believe the Lord when, about who the Lord is, he can't believe the Lord when he speaks about who he is. When we allow what we believe about the Lord to be skewed, we will allow what he says about us to be skewed. And if we don't believe what he says about us, we'll never live as the person that he's called us. It's, it's why we talk about identity so much here. It's why we talk about who we are in Christ and knowing what it means to be a born-again new creation filled with the Spirit of God and what the Word of God says about you. Because the truth of the matter is, is the world is determined to try to change your view of God and change your view of yourself. And if it can get you to look at God wrongly, it will get you to see yourself wrongly because because we only see ourselves through him. Otherwise, we see ourselves through natural human wisdom. He disregards the fact that God just called him a valiant warrior. That goes in one ear, runs into the stronghold, and gets turned right back around and turned into an accusation and a question. How can I? I'm the least. It's like the word of God comes marching into his ear and the enemy sounds a trumpet and all of a sudden the soldiers of the enemy come flying out of that stronghold where they've been given a place by Gideon because of his belief, because of what he believes about the Lord and what he believes about himself. And they come in and they fight off and attack and keep that word from being able to penetrate. Well, the word of God is greater than the enemy. It is, as long as you believe it. For they too had this same gospel preached to them in the wilderness, which you have heard, but it profited them nothing because they didn't combine faith with the hearing of the word. That means that word came and it had the full power of God to accomplish everything it was meant to accomplish, but there was something missing that caused it to be void, and that was they didn't actually believe it. And so Gideon, here's what the Lord says to him. He's, think about this, like, he's crazy. One of two ways. Either he's in a wine press having a conversation with himself, which makes him crazy, or he's in a wine press having a conversation with the Lord and telling the Lord why he's wrong, which is crazy. But either way, you're crazy. Because if, if God's not there speaking, then you're nuts and you're talking to some figment of your imagination. But God, if God is there speaking, then you're even more crazy because you're arguing with him and telling him why what he said to you can't possibly be true. As if you know something that he doesn't. As if the Lord made a mistake and Gideon's like, hey God, that's amazing and all, but let me just fill you in on some facts that you may not be aware of. Because if you knew what I know... You wouldn't say what you said. No, if you knew what he knew, you wouldn't say what you said. If you saw what he saw, you wouldn't see, say what he said. And that's why we have to let the word of God be supreme in our lives and actually exalt it above, our, above anything else. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That means that when he speaks, everything that is less than what he said gets vanished in, in the power of his word. And I have to change my mind because he's not going to change his. So when he calls me a valiant warrior, he means I'm a valiant warrior. 
he sees me for who he created me to be. That's why when, 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 when Paul is writing to the church and he says, anyone that destroys the temple, God will not hold them guiltless, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. What's he saying? saying, listen, I'm only going to speak to you and tell you who you are the way that God sees you because you have to believe what God says about you in order to live the way that God says that you can live. And then we find all the reasons why, why that can't be true. Well, if I'm holy, then how come? Probably because you have that question. Probably because the holiness that, that he calls you to walk in is on the other side of believing what he said about you. Not the other way around. See, we want to say, well, if I'm holy, then I will actually do this, and then I'll believe it. It's like, no, you will never, ever live in a way that causes you to believe what he said. But if you believe in what he said, it will cause the way that you live to line up with what he said. And this is Gideon's problem. Is he's the youngest. And his family's the smallest, and he's known this since he was born. He would have known in the tribe of Manasseh, which wasn't a great tribe. So of the least, my family is the very least. And of the very least family, I'm the very least one. And his identity is shaped by who he is in the natural. So much so that when God speaks to him and tells him who he really is, he can't believe it, and he tries to explain to God why God missed it. It's a good thing that only people in the Old Testament did that and that people in the church don't do that today. Or you could imagine that people might try to fight off what God is saying about them with their experience or what they believe rather than allowing their experiences and what they believe to become subject to what he said. It, it, I mean, it happens all the time. You read through the Bible. Moses, you're going to lead my people. How can I? I, don't, I can't even speak right. Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet. I'm too young. Peter, I'm going to use you to change the world. I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. As if when God spoke, he just randomly picked somebody and said, I, yeah, you. <laughs> no, when God comes to you and speaks to you, whether it's when you're reading his word and you hear his voice, or whether it's the spirit of God inside of you, or whether it's somebody that's filled with the spirit that comes and tells you something that the Lord is saying that lines up with scripture, that lines up with scripture, that lines up with scripture. And that lines up with the heart of God. And that's why you have to be discerning. That's why you need the spirit of God to actually receive the benefit of a prophetic word. Because there's people that will come with prophetic words that have an agenda behind them. And they're trying to use a prophetic word to flatter you into something that has personal selfish ambition in it. And it might be something that is true. The problem is, is that there will always be something connected to that true word that they're speaking over your life that brings you to them, puts you in need of them, causes you to have, be insecure without them. And every time that happens, it's because they are trying to use prophecy to manipulate and control you. And that's why you have to have discernment. And all you're getting, get understanding. 
You could hear someone say something, and it could be absolutely true. And the Spirit of God puts a check inside of you. And then you hear the same word two years later from someone else, and the Lord says, that's me. Why? Because if I would have believed that word, I would have grabbed onto the hook that was attached to it. When the word comes purely with no ambition behind it, only out of love and out of obedience to the Lord, there's nothing icky attached to it. I can grab a hold of that word because it's not going to have a hook that grabs a hold of me. And so Gideon has put up his best fight. And did you notice that God didn't answer Gideon why? You ever noticed how often that question goes unanswered? Well, why? Well, if, then how come? If, then how come? If you need an answer, he'll give it to you. If you don't need an answer, he won't. And you can't let what he isn't saying keep you from acting on what he is saying. And so he, Gideon says, well, then how come? And if he's with us, then why is all this? And the Lord, he doesn't answer the why. He looks at Gideon and says this. Instead of answering his questions, instead of explaining everything to him, instead of arguing with him about I can use the least to, do, to confound the most and all that stuff, he doesn't even answer all that stuff. He looks at him and he says this. Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? It says Gideon gets done with his argument with the Lord, it says, and then the Lord looked at him. As if while Gideon is just spewing, the Lord's just going. But then how come? And where? And all your fathers? And why didn't this? And how come this? And blah, blah. And all this stuff. And the Lord's just patiently waiting, waiting for him. Get it out of your system. Go ahead. Yep. I've heard this before. I know where this is going. And I already know the problem. And the problem isn't me giving you the answer that you want. The problem is, is that you don't want to hear the answer that you need. And he looks at Gideon, and instead of giving him all these explanations that would have satisfied Gideon's earthly knowledge and search for wisdom, he says, I'll be with you. What's he saying? He's saying, Gideon, you have some strongholds in your life. You've given the enemy a place to speak. And because of that, you can't even hear my word when I come to you, and you can't believe what I'm saying to you. And there's an answer to that, and it's not for me to use wisdom and logic to dismantle your argument. It's my presence. That's the answer to your stronghold. And just looks at him and says, Gideon, every one of your questions can be answered just being with me. And if you never get that question answered, it's because you never needed an answer to be who I called you to be and do what I called you to do. Just come be with me. Just know that I'm with you. Would you just trust me? Would you just believe me? Then Gideon. So Gideon says, well, okay, Lord. And now he calls him Lord. He realizes. He says, okay, Lord, if it's you. He's starting to catch on to this. If it's you, wait here. Don't leave i got to come back and prepare a sacrifice. I, I, I want to know it's you. I, I need to see something. God, you don't understand. I want to believe this is you. See, now his heart's moved into a position where he wants to believe. Rather than arguing with the Lord, he lets the answer that God gives him satisfy the answers that he doesn't. And he says, okay, Lord, 
I want to believe you. I want to believe this is you, but I just, I, I, need, I, need, a, I need something more. I need you to, to show me, and, and I need an, an encounter with you so that I can believe what you're saying. Because if I, if I know it's you, then I'll believe everything that you're saying, and I'll do everything you're asking me to do. What's the difference between Gideon and the ones who came to Jesus mocking him and saying, show us a sign? And he said, this a, a wicked generation searches for a sign, but I tell you, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. As he was in the belly of the whale for three days, so shall the Son of Man be in the earth. What's the difference? Why does Jesus give one a sign and, and, and Gideon a sign, and why does he not give them a sign? It's the heart behind it. When the heart is to mock and disbelieve and says, prove it then, he has no interest. When the heart is, I want to believe this, I just, I'm having a hard time, could you help me out? Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin, yet nevertheless be it to me according to your word. God doesn't make her mute. She questions the same thing that Zachariah questions. Zachariah says, how could this be? I'm old. My wife's beyond age. He leaves out the part that Mary adds to it, which is, nevertheless, be it to me according to your word. In other words, I don't believe this. So there's nothing for him to say, nevertheless, be it to me according to your word. There's no faith there. And so the Lord shuts his mouth and makes him unable to speak because the Lord would rather you not say anything if you don't believe than run around speaking out of your unbelief. But to Mary, he tells her she's favored. Why? Because Mary's heart was, I, I want to believe this. I just don't know how, but I'll trust you. That's why we have to have a tender heart before the Lord. And that's what so many of the things that have happened in your life have been sent into your life by the enemy to do is to just harden your heart over and over and over and over again so that brick by brick by brick by brick a stronghold gets built so that when the word of the Lord comes, there's something there that actually stands in defense against it and keeps us from hearing it and believing it. So he asked the Lord to wait, and the Lord's gracious. He says, I'll wait. He's patient because he knows what's coming. See, there's something in the way that Gideon's speaking to him now. There's a recognition of who he is. There's a, a wanting to believe it. And instead of the Lord saying, you, you wicked man, you seek for a sign, no sign will be given to you. He says, I'll wait. So it says in, in verse 19, Then Gideon went and prepared a young goat and, un, and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket, the broth in a pot, and he brought them out under the oak and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that this was the Lord, saw the, the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it the Lord is peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. Gideon's starting to believe, he wants to believe, and the Lord says, okay, I'm going to do this for him. And he has an encounter with God, and he says, I've seen you face to face. And so many times we have had an encounter with the Lord, but it hasn't actually changed what we believe or the way that we live. And so we go from encounter to encounter from experience to experience, constantly looking for the next encounter without living in the truth that the encounter was supposed to produce. 
Gideon allows the encounter to plant something in his heart and in the way that he thinks that starts dismantling the strongholds that have been built. And you know that because the very next thing that happens. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal. And this is the part, please hear what the Lord's saying. And pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. And take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men out of his, father, out of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid to, of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. He comes to Gideon and he says, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And then he tells him, you're going to deliver my people out of the hand of the Midianites. And so... Gideon has his reasons and his questions. God answers them. So now he's ready to go and destroy what the enemy is doing to everyone. Not yet. The Lord says to him, listen, I I'm going to send you. But I first need you to deal with you. I'm going to use you to bring freedom to others. But I first need you to get set free yourself. You've allowed something in your house that's not me. And for seven years, you've given it a place. I need you to deal with that. Because before you'll deal with that, in your home, you can't go and deal with that in their home. And listen to what he says to him. He says, I need you to take a bull The old bull, your father's bull. Take the thing that was alive before you guys turned your backs on me and built the altar. Take what was, pull down the stronghold, pull down the altar. It's not enough for him to just destroy the altar of evil. He says, and on that stronghold, on that very place that you've given the enemy, I want you to build an altar to me. Just getting rid of the evil isn't good enough. He says, no, I want you to get rid of the thing that's been in your home, that's been in your life, that's been in your family, and has given the enemy a place of influence and allowed him to kill and steal and destroy. And I want you to get rid of it. I want you to tear it down. And, but I don't just want you to get rid of it and tear it down. I want you to right there in that spot build an altar to me. Take what was, destroy it, and build what is. And then listen to what he says. He says, and, and, and once the bull that was alive, the thing that was alive before you turned your back on me, once that has been used to tear down the altar that was built, now I want you to take a bull that's seven years old. What has been going on for seven years? They've abandoned the Lord and served Baal for seven years. And he says, listen, that thing that's been growing this whole time needs to die. He doesn't say take the old bull and sacrifice him on the altar, no. And he doesn't say take a 10-year-old bull. He doesn't say take a 6-year-old bull. He's very intentional. He tells him a bull that is 7 years old. In other words, the thing that was born when you turned your back on me that's been growing this whole time needs to die on the altar that you've built to me. And the fire of God will consume that. 
and you'll carry the fire at Gideon. Remember how Gideon, how they win the battle? The Lord winnows down the men and, and, and gets rid of, of so many of them, and there's only 300 of them, and they don't even have swords, and, and all they have is the fire. And it's that fire that actually destroys the enemy and terrifies the enemy and causes the enemy to destroy itself. He's like, Gideon, listen, there will come a day when you'll take that fire and you'll use it to set other people free. But first, that fire needs to consume anything in your life that's not of me. And whatever's been growing during this time when you've turned your back on me has to die. But you have to put it to death. The Lord didn't kill the bull. He consumed it. Gideon had to put it to death. How did it get put to death? It got put to death by tearing down what had been built to Baal, building something to the Lord in its place, and then looking around and saying, that thing has been growing from the day we turned our back on the Lord, from the day I started to compromise, from the day that I allowed this thing a place, from the day I listened to that lie, from the day I believed that lie, from the day that I did whatever it was, from the day that they turned their back on the Lord, something began to grow. And it had been growing for seven years. All the while, the enemy is killing, stealing, and destroying. And Gideon barely has enough for himself. Never mind for the people around him. pray and I have three things I want to pray for maybe you need one maybe you need two maybe you need all three the first is I feel like there is an epidemic of the first stronghold that Gideon had which is well if the Lord then how come because of recent circumstances because of things that have gone on for the past in this case it was seven years maybe it's been ten maybe it's been twelve maybe it's been one maybe it's been two maybe it's been forty and we've had disappointment after disappointment, misunderstanding after misunderstanding, discouragement after discouragement, and brick by brick, a stronghold's been built so that when the promise of the Lord comes, the enemy comes and fights it off. And we can't even believe it because we're so busy thinking about what's happened that we can't even look ahead and see what could be. If that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. Come on, don't, don't, don't leave here with a stronghold that you came with. Not today. Come on, I'm telling you, the Lord has wanted to deal with his house before he can go out and set other people free. Come on, is there anybody else? I, I know there is. I'm not just asking that rhetorically. Come on, thank you. Come on, who else? Like you know that you know that this stronghold has a voice in your life because when you hear the word of God said, the first thing that rises up in you is, well, then how come? If, then why? And your obedience to what God has called you to has been put on hold because you've got a question that hasn't been answered. 
Yeah. So anybody else? Yeah, come on. Why, 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 would, why not? Listen, what is that, what has that stronghold done for you? What has it produced in your life? What good has it done? All it's done is make you bitter, jaded, callous. You've built a wall. Problem with walls is this, that they, they don't discriminate. As good as they are at keeping hurt out, which is what we think we're doing, they also keep love out, which is the thing that we need. They don't discriminate. They keep everything out. And safety behind the wall isn't safe at all. Oh, you might be safe from being hurt again because you don't get your hopes up. The problem is, is that you're safe from ever seeing the promise come true because without faith, it's impossible. So what safety is it really? I'm just going to ask the church to be the church. Let's not come to church. Let's be the church. Look around. If there's people standing around you, if it's okay with them, I want you to lay hands on them and we're just going to pray. And listen, I, I know that, that horrible things have happened. I know that things have, have not happened that we wished would. And I don't have an answer for why, but I do know that the answer is found in the presence of the Lord, not in running from, the, from him. Not in isolating ourselves from him. Not in not believing, because it's easier to not believe than it is to believe and get discouraged. Come on, that's a lie from the pit of hell, meant to keep you from actually living a life of faith. Meant to give, keep you down in the wine press, just barely getting by with just enough for you. When there's people around you that are being stolen from, having their lives destroyed, the devil's killing and stealing and destroying. It's what he came to do. And if he can shut you up because of things that have gone wrong for you, there's no chance that you can be the answer when things go wrong for others. And we're supposed to carry the answer because we've been given this treasure inside of earthen vessels. The gospel of Jesus, relationship with the Father, the presence of God, which is the answer to every one of those questions. So, Father, right now for every person standing, I thank you that you are destroying the stronghold, not by wisdom, not by logic, not by reason, but by your presence. I'm praying right now, Lord, that your presence would come, that, that times we look back at and saw devoid of you or reasons that we thought that you weren't there, Lord, that you would come and your presence right now would be enough to answer the questions of the past, that we can't go back and change what has been, but we can't let what has been change what's supposed to be moving forward. And so, Father, for everything that happened that, that, that has allowed us to forfeit living in, in communion with you and in love with you and trusting you and believing in your faithfulness and hoping to see your goodness and believing that we would, God, I pray that your presence would come right now in such a way that it would sweep away every bit of that and that while we can't go back and change what's happened, we can live differently moving forward. God, would you come, Holy Spirit, come and just tear down any stronghold that's been built, every lie that's been built that's exalted itself against the knowledge of who you really are. Not one more day lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing real quick, and maybe you need to keep standing. I don't know, you probably do, maybe not. If you have a stronghold in your life that because of who you are, Maybe because of what you've done, maybe because of what you haven't done, maybe because of where you've been, maybe because of who your family is, maybe because of decisions that you've made in the past or decisions you didn't make in the past. If there's anything that when the Lord speaks to you and calls you who he calls you to be, that you have a reason that he can't be right because of things that you know about you. Well, I'm the least from the least family. Well, I did this. I didn't do that. Well, I, how, and all the stuff that would rise up and would cause what God calls you to fall ineffectively on your ears and you can't believe it, so it doesn't bear fruit in your life, if you have any of that going on in your life to where when you hear someone speaking and they call you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you have something that rises up and says, well, if I'm righteous, then how come? Probably because you have the how come that you don't see the righteousness manifest. 
it's probably because we don't actually believe who he says that we are, that we're not living in the way that he's called us to live. And if you have that going on in your life to where you're tempted to just say, you know what, I don't even believe that anymore. When God would come to you and call you to something, you can't even believe he would call you to it. When you read the word and you read who we are in Christ, you can't even hear it because your own experience, your own life is speaking so loudly, the voice of God is drowned out. That's a stronghold and it needs to come down. If that's you, just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. Come on. I promise you, when, when he comes and speaks to you, what you think about you is irrelevant as long as you believe what he says and allow what he says to change what you think about you. Gideon would go on to utterly destroy the enemy, but first he had to believe that God really is who he says and I really am who God said that I am. And until he got to that place, there was no chance. So for every person that's standing right now, I'm just going to speak a truth to you. The word of God says this about you. That he became sin that knew no sin. That you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons of God and such we are that he is able to present you before him holy, blameless, upright, and beyond reproach. That if any man is in Christ, he is therefore now a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Every one of those things that you would bring up that would keep you from believing the truth about yourself, that passed away, and behold, the new has come. What's the new? It's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. If it didn't come from his mouth, it shouldn't live in your heart. What God has called holy, let no man call unclean. Father, I pray right now that those words, that your word, that your truth would come in like a flood, like a rushing wind and utterly destroy any stronghold that's been built that would keep us from believing who that you say that we are and keep us from doing what it is that we know you've called us to do. Father, for insecurity that's caused, for jealousy that's been caused, for hurt that's been caused, for hardness of heart that's been caused, I pray, Lord, that your presence would come right now and be the answer. God, I pray that your truth would speak louder than any lie of the enemy. That when we hear you speak, we would believe you rather than what we think. That we wouldn't exalt our own knowledge above the knowledge of God. That we wouldn't pridefully put ourselves down in a false humility and discount what you're saying because of something we know as if you didn't. I just thank you that in the, in the weeks to come that as they read the word, Father, and they see who you've called them to be and they see what you say about them and they hear the gospel, God, that rather than that stronghold having a place to come out and try to fight off the voice of God, that the spirit of God within them and the love of the Father shed abroad in their heart, God, would give a resounding yes and amen to everything that they read and that their perspective would be changed, Father. And as the way that they think is changed, their life would be transformed as a result. God, I thank you that they will live differently because they'll believe differently. And I thank you they'll believe differently because lies have been torn down and strongholds have been destroyed. God, I pray that in the place that there was a stronghold that you would build an altar. That they would build an altar of your goodness and your faithfulness and your truth by reading your word and allowing that word to be implanted in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The last people. I, I said seven years. I don't know if it's been seven years, but... 
I feel like the Lord is wanting to deal with things that have been growing because of compromise. Because there's been a place given to something that didn't belong in our lives. And it started out small and it started out innocent and it started out not a big deal. A little calf isn't really a big deal, but in seven years, it's a pretty big bull. A little calf doesn't have horns, but in seven years, it's got horns. A little calf can't pull anything or destroy anything, but when it's seven years old, it can start pulling, it can start destroying, and it can start wreaking havoc. I don't know, maybe it's been 27 years. Now it's fully mature, and it's really strong, and it's wreaking havoc. It's time to put it to death. It's time for that thing to die. Come on, if that's you, just stand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you what it is. The Lord knows. Please don't let what people think about you change your willingness to respond. I promise you, what people think of you isn't changed your life so far. It's probably not going to change your life after today. Come on, there's way more than that. There's way more than that. Like, there's way more than that. 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 Come on, don't sit still. Don't sit there and allow that thing to continue to live. Don't rationalize it in your mind. Don't justify it. Don't talk right now. That talk inside of your head is a stronghold speaking, trying to preserve that thing's place in your life because it doesn't want to die because it knows if it can stay alive, it'll continue to grow. The only way that it does stops growing is if it gets put to death. You can't just stunt its growth and keep it cute. It doesn't want to stay cute, and it never will. It wants to grow and grow and grow and consume, and I promise you, if you would just allow the Lord, it can die today. Come on, there's people, yeah, there's more. There's just more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Come on, I'm telling you, like, You were meant to carry the fire of God that destroys the work of the enemy in other people's lives, but that fire of God has to consume anything that's not of his in your own life first. It begins in our house. It begins in our lives. Come on, there's more. I can't move yet. There's more people. Like, come on, right now, that thing that's rationalizing it in your mind is trying to keep it alive. That's all it's trying to do. It doesn't care. It just wants to stay alive. Come on, there's more. I'm not saying that to try to, like, pressure you. I'm saying, like, I can feel the Lord saying, like, there's more. There's, there's things that need to die. And listen, you might be only six months in. Right now is the best time to deal with that thing because the longer it goes, the stronger it grows. And I promise you, if there's something the Lord's dealing with in your heart right now that you've opened a door to, that you've allowed, you can bind the enemy all you want. When you've got your other hand opening the, the back door, he's not leaving. He's laughing. He's mocking. Come on. Come on, is there anyone else? I just want you to do this. There's nothing magic in it, but it's what he told Gideon to do, and I think just as an act of obedience, he'll honor it. I want you to picture whatever that thing is in your hands. Whatever it is. And now that the the stronghold's been torn down by your obedience to recognize that it's a stronghold, that's the way that they get torn down is you recognize it for what it is, you see it for what it is, and then truth comes. And that's what has to happen now. I just want you to hold that thing in your hands and I want you to picture that place where that stronghold 
occupied, wherever that is, whatever that is. And I just want to see, just, just look and see an altar built to the Lord there in that place. Where once it was a place that you gave and sacrificed your time, your money, your life to Baal. And just place whatever that thing is on that altar of the Lord. God, we're just asking right now that your fire would do what your fire always did when people brought a sacrifice to you with a pure heart and that it would come right now and consume that thing in Jesus' name. That your fire would come right now and consume that thing. That that bull would be put to death and consumed by the fire of God, never to return. If that bull happened to wander back into your yard, that doesn't mean that God didn't do what he promised he would do. It just means that he's looking for a way back in. Don't give him one. Remove the opportunity. Remove the compromise. Remove whatever it is. Get rid of it. Let it die. And in its place, with that time, with that effort, with that energy, with that finance, with that talent, whatever it is that you've been offering up to someone thing that isn't God, give it to God. Give that time to the Lord. Give that talent. Give that resource. Offer it on an altar, but this time on an altar to God. So that fire continues to burn so that you can then be sent out as one who carries the fire of God. Listen, remember when they had the dream and, and, and they said, this is none other than Gideon. How did they know Gideon's, how did the enemy know Gideon's name? You want to know how? When we act in obedience to God and surrender our lives to him, our name gets known by the enemy because we carry something that he's afraid of. They all knew it was Gideon. They had a dream and interpreted it and said, this is none other than Gideon. And they were, they were terrified and fearful and trembled. Why? An act of obedience does way more in the spirit realm than you could ever imagine. That small act is a sword that decapitates things and strikes fear in the heart of the enemy because strongholds are being destroyed. And because now you actually carry what's needed for others rather than hiding, barely getting by with what's needed for you. So Father, I just pray for every person here that they would be so aware of what they carry the gospel of Jesus, the fire of God that is the answer to every problem. And I pray, Lord, that we would never return back to just doing the bare minimum in a hidden place, but that we would begin to do everything you've asked us to do in a public place, in a high place, unashamed. In Jesus' name, amen.